0: Hello, 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 hello. Hello, my name is Matthew West, and I'm the host of this podcast. It's called the Matthew West Podcast. I really hope.
1: Get creative with your kids this spring as you explore God's Word together with the new family discipleship resource from Awana. It's called Talk About. Talk About delivers child discipleship through simple discussions and family fun, forming lasting faith one conversation at a time. With your family's monthly subscription, you receive an email each week containing your Talk About bundle, including guided conversations through selected scripture passages that allow families to engage in the Bible and answer big questions with the truth of God's word. Fun hands-on activities that take the guesswork out of child discipleship. As kids color, create, sing, and share, they're going to remember what they've learned throughout the week. Helpful references, videos, and insights that provide parents and caregivers with deeper levels of biblical knowledge to help deepen your family's understanding of God's Word each week. This isn't just for the kids, it's for the parents too. It's the everyday moments of life that can become moments that make an eternal difference. These are the moments Talk About was created for. So bring the gospel home, help your kids form lasting faith one conversation at a time. Try one month of Talk About for free with special promo code. West. Start today at TalkAboutDiscipleship.com. What's up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West, and as always, I really hope you like it. Thank you for joining me today. It's your summer getting off to a good start. Hope you had a great memorial day. Uh, the family and I did. It was a busy weekend. In Nashville, in Music City, thousands of people came from around the country to hang out with a bunch of their favorite artists at the K-Love Fan Awards weekend at the Opryland Hotel and then the awards Sunday night that took place at the Grand Ole Opry. And yours truly was the host for the seventh time. I was joined uh, this year by my buddy Torin Wells. We co-hosted the show together. Had an absolute blast. And if you weren't able to attend it in person, well, guess what? It's going to be on TV. It's going to be airing. I should know that. You know what? Check your local listings. It's going to air, I think it's Friday night on TBN. So... Um, that's a horrible advertisement, but <laughs> but be sure to check it out. I'm also performing the song Me On Your Mind, and uh, felt like a really special performance. There were so many great performances. I can't wait for you to see the show. So it was great to see uh, so many of my favorite artists as well getting to catch up with uh, Toby Mac and Mac Powell and um, Brandon Lake. You know, I had a 10-minute conversation backstage with Kirk Franklin. What is my life? It was awesome. He pulled me aside and We talked and just had a blast. Got to see Michael W. Smith. I need to get him on the podcast. One MW interviewing another MW. Let's make that happen. Anyways, hey, are you coming to Nashville? You know, if you missed your chance to come to Nashville for the Kayla Fan Awards, Christmas time, there's going to be another opportunity for you to come and join me. It's called Come Home for Christmas. I'm inviting a small group of people to come and have Christmas in Music City with me and my family. Uh, It's called Come Home for Christmas. It's going to be a special weekend of activities, December 2nd through the 4th. You can find out all about it at MatthewWest.com. I'm not sure how many tickets are still available for that, but if you've always wanted to take a trip to Music City, come and join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, uh, we're about to have a lot of fun today with today's guest, but before I introduce our guest today, I first just want to say I can't let an episode come and go without acknowledging what just took place in Uvalde, Texas. Of course, in uh, Buffalo, New York, another shooting that took place, and uh, Laguna in in California. But most recently, this terrible shooting that took place in in Texas, taking the lives of innocent children and teachers. And uh, I just uh, have been at a loss for words, as if you couldn't tell, but just praying and thanking God that he is close to the brokenhearted. And I can't help but think about how Something captures the headlines like this, and then the world moves on, right? There's another tragedy, there's another story, there's another war, there's another thing, and the news headlines move on. But those people, they're still going to be there picking up the pieces. They're still going to be grieving and hurting and mourning the loss of their, their loved one and, and wondering why. And uh, I think maybe that's why I love Psalm thirty four eighteen so much is because when the world moves on, the Lord moves close he's close to the broken heart. And so we're praying for all of those who are grieving today. The world may move on, but the Lord is with you. And, um, you are not alone. And we're with you. We're praying for you. So, okay, let's get into today's show. My guest today has been a friend of mine for a long time. He is a funny, funny man. And that's what he does for a living. He is funny for a living. He's a comedian. I've gotten to know him over the years and have just become such a huge fan. And I just knew, hey, our world needs to uh, smile right now. We need to laugh. And I've been waiting to have this guy on. Of course, I scheduled it and then had canceled it once and he's mad at me about that but uh, he'll get over it so ladies and gentlemen let's go to the story house with my good friend and soon to be yours bob smiley oh my
2: goodness (laughs) i was like i'm sorry (laughs) And here's what's funny is you guys are so professional. I got email (laughs) after email of like, you need to be on time. You need to have your browser ready. You need to put your dog to sleep. Oh, stop. There's no noise when Matthew talks. And and then I'm sitting here at 2.11. Like an idiot. (laughs) And here's what I thought. Because we've canceled before where I set everything up. And it's all I have going on. Like this podcast is it. And... So my my families they're sending me letters like man today's the day and, and like I'm so <laughs> and I set it. it up and you canceled <laughs> which is understandable because you know you have a career and so I thought when this happened the second time. Because remember how Matt Damon couldn't ever get on The Tonight Show? Like uh, Jimmy yes. kept bumping him. In, or maybe it wasn't The Tonight Show. Maybe it was uh, Jimmy Kimmel. That's what it was. Never it was could... Jimmy
1: Kimmel. Is this a Matt? You texted me. Are we still recording at 2 Central? Or am I the Matt Damon never getting on The Tonight yeah. Show?
2: Yeah, th- It wasn't The Tonight Show. So it, the joke did not uh, land like I wanted it to. But <laughs> I didn't have time to think of what show it was. But I remember he never got on. And I thought, because y- you are very, very funny. And I could see you doing this as an elaborate prank every week, getting my mom excited that her little boy might have finally made it. That's
1: terrible. You think I'm that ruthless that I would that I would (laughs) plot a scheme
2: like that? Man, I've known you a long time.
1: I would never deprive the Matthew West podcast listeners from the opportunity to hear from the brilliant and to be amused by and to find some laughter in these heavy times by the great Bob Smiley. So while I I actually appreciate that you're giving me credit to come up with that elaborate of a plan, the reality is that my team, they did the right thing. They scheduled... Okay, so first of all, the first time we canceled (laughs) this, I have a team that... They worked so hard that they would book interviews, and then I'm on tour, and I had to tell them, like, guys, I literally can't talk on my day off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I had to reschedule, but this time was on me. This time I was literally in the house when you texted me, getting off a phone call thinking, man, I got 20 minutes until I talked to Bob, and then you texted me, and I looked at my schedule, and I'm like, I'm an idiot. It was 2, it was 2 p.m., <laughs> not 2.30. It's all me. It's my fault.
2: You almost saved it with a beautiful introduction, but what uh, kind of ruined was it was to. when you got to the part of like the amazing, the wonderful, you, I yeah. saw you look down at your notes and read Bob <laughs> smiling. It would have been had...
1: so much better if it was seamless. No, I, I meant every word that my team wrote <laughs> down for <laughs> me to say. <laughs> oh, that's no. true. In all sincerity, I have been super excited about this chance to talk to you and hang out and get to reconnect with you because, as you said, we do go way back because, you, I mean, you've
2: toured for how many years, Bob? Uh, I'm coming up on 24, which is... Crazy because I feel like I've been doing it for five, and I was doing a, a podcast that started on time uh, a couple <laughs> days ago. And you should try it; it's amazing. <laughs> oh
1: my god!
0: I am
2: never going to be invited back. But who cares? No, I I
1: planned on somehow this interview, whether it started at two or two 30, that it was going to be, uh, an extended roast of me uh, of some sort, <laughs> because that's how, that's how funny you are. So I'm, no, I'm ready I'm, for it. I'm a
2: huge fan of you, uh, <laughs> Matthew West. Um, uh, no, I, somebody asked me on a podcast, uh, the other day, how long have I been doing it? And I honestly have not ever stopped and, and added it up, but we're coming up on 25 years. 25. Of traveling okay. So, around. but have you ever
1: gone to the next level of, uh, research on your own career, where you've like looked at the actual amount of sets you've done, shows you've done. Like, I mean, and you 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 have a really unique career too. Because as long as I've known you, you've been around contemporary Christian music as well. Like our first time interacting with each other, you were doing your stand up at a music tour, and yeah. and you've done a lot of that, right? Like your career has intertwined with music. Not maybe the whole 24 years, but a good portion of that, right?
2: Most of it. And I wouldn't be doing stand-up if it wasn't for Christian music. I was going to a college. I was going to be a teacher. I majored in elementary education. I mainly picked elementary because oh, I, wow. I knew the classes would be easy. Um, <laughs> so hold on. Let me, let me those, cut this. Those
1: children were spared. <laughs>
2: yeah. You know what's the best? You would appreciate this because I know you. I, we were studying for our finals, and it was me and uh, my, one of my roommates was uh, studying to be a doctor, and one of my roommates was studying to be a missionary. So okay. one guy was studying Greek, and he was just he was about to take his Greek final, and the other one was studying botany. And they were just sitting in the living room, and they were just going over all this stuff. And they looked over at me, and I was finishing my bulletin board, which was my final. I was cutting an A out, <laughs> which was the only <laughs> A I made in college. But And they looked at me, and they were like, smiley. <laughs> you you go to a class full of women and you yes. cut out alphabet and I was like yeah guys you have a lot to learn from me
1: but while they were learning botany that's yeah amazing. while they were
2: learning, like trying to memorize all these yeah species all this stuff so uh, I did a stand up competition in college I don't know if you know this story but I did a stand up no. competition. I just did it for the money because it was money was five hundred dollars and I was going to Abilene Christian out in Abilene, Texas. You've been there, yes, Um, so you know that's
1: the home of Max Licato. If I remember, isn't that where he went to college too?
2: Yeah, I think so. He won't return my phone calls, but uh, (laughs) there's probably a reason why. But uh, no, he he definitely, yeah, uh, Church of Christ. Like he was, you know, kind of the. Trailblazer of that in uh, Abilene, so first prize was five hundred dollars. Well, in Abilene, that's like eight months' rent. So <laughs> yes, I, it is. It is still to this day. And so I signed <laughs> up, and I did this stand-up competition. Even though people told me I was always funny and I should do stand-up, I didn't. I didn't ever want a life in bars and comedy clubs, and you know, I just right. I, I never thought I would be able to do it. And so. Uh, I won, not even because I was good. Like, everybody else was so terrible. Like, it was just the worst. Because it was just college kids, like, trying to get up and and do stuff. But you were a college kid, too. Like, what –
1: do you remember what your bit was? Or, like, do you remember one of your jokes from that first time doing stand-up?
2: I do. So, uh, one of them, they had an Abilene Zoo. And I was like – what is that? uh, Dogs with antlers tied to their heads. And, you know, (laughs) like – I can't remember. There was was several stuff about, like, how – like rinky dink the zoo was, and that resonated. Here's the weirdest part of the standout. Like I was just sitting in, I was the night before this show, I was like, I guess I better write something. And so I'm writing stuff and uh, ACU had just put these clocks up and uh, it had like Japan, it had, you know, uh, China, it had Australia to show the the time zones. And so I said, uh, isn't it great that they, they put up these clocks that tell us what time it is to places we'll never be able to afford to go. (laughs) of student loans which is a pretty good joke but i go i go china japan cisco which was this little town right outside of abilene so afterwards when i won the paper was interviewing me and they were like yeah i never noticed that they have a clock that says cisco and i was like what What? they were like yeah and i went to the campus center and matthew there was a clock and it said cisco which is this tiny little town right outside of abilene I didn't see that. I just knew they put clocks you up. I just said it. I just said, I, I spoke it into existence. And that's Hilarious. when I knew, no, it was a weird deal, but I won, uh, got the money, thought it'd be a great story later. You know, when, what'd I, you do with
3: the
1: 500 bucks?
2: I had a girlfriend. So ah.
1: <laughs> wait, you bought a girlfriend or you had a girlfriend yeah, Craigslist and you spent was the 500 <laughs> starting up.
2: So we, <laughs> I was like, okay, finally, I'm going to see what this dating thing is like. No, that's the
1: perfect answer though, to like coming into some money as a college student and you're asked, how did you spend the money? I had a girlfriend. Enough said. I spent all the money on her.
2: It really was. I was like, "Baby, tonight it's thrift store and Golden Corral. It's not one <laughs> or the other. My treat." So we, <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: So that was your first stand-up. You were at Abilene Christian. You win this contest. You win five hundred bucks. And like most people in life, like when when you receive affirmation for something that you've done, you tend to run in that direction. Was that stand-up and that contest winning, was that like an aha moment for you? Or were you already thinking, man, I I really like the idea of trying to be in comedy? Or Or was that the moment where you're like, this is it, this is my calling?
2: Okay, that is a great question. And I've never been asked this question before. But now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, It was not cool because all through my life, people told me I should do stand-up. In fact, the first week I was in college, this guy walks up to me uh, and he goes, hey, when you do uh, your bits, you should do one on uh, hotel soap being small. I didn't know this dude. And I was like, what do you mean when I do my bits? And he goes, you know, when you do stand-up, you should do something about the soap being small. And I was like, I don't do stand-up. And he goes, yeah, but you will when you do stand-up, you should – like." People were always coming up to me assuming that I was pursuing stand-up because I was the funny guy. So So you were the class clown. I was the class clown. And so here's what's interesting about your question. I never thought about this, but I didn't like that I won because the reception was, well, of course, Smiley won. You know, he's the funny guy. Of course he won. Who got second? And so I really didn't get a lot of accolades because people thought, well, of course he won. And I was like, no, no, I I'm what? not a stand up like I can't believe I won. Will somebody celebrate with me? Thankfully, I had five hundred dollars. So I had one person celebrate with me. But yeah, I was like, yeah,
1: <laughs> no. so people could see your destiny before you even saw it. So you winning that contest in their minds was a foregone conclusion.
2: Yeah. And I know you don't like to get spiritual um, on this podcast, but (laughs) I don't know. I haven't listened to it. No, I'm kidding. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. Um, of, of podcasts, not yours yes, in in general, but, yeah. yeah. The, the fact the that you do one, yeah. <laughs> that's like Zoolander. Like heroes, <laughs> he's like, what does he say? Sting. Sting's
1: one of my heroes. I never listened to his music. But the fact that he makes it, I respect that.
2: Yeah, I respect <laughs> that. That's so true. So, okay, here's a spiritual thing. I look back on all that, and I really feel like God was directing me because my prayers at night were, God, use me however you want to use me. But I also... Being a man, I'd figured all my life out. I knew I was gonna be an elementary teacher, I was gonna be a principal, and then I was gonna be a superintendent. And that was my path, and I was headed toward it. But my prayer was always like, God, whatever you want me to do. And I meant it, but I also meant it like, on my path, God, you use me however you wanna use me. And so I look back on all these moments. I was fishing one night. Uh, in the middle of the night with this guy who was uh, becoming real popular on campus for being a singer. And uh, he was getting people uh, from opera houses, like contacting him and like scouts and stuff. And he was going to be a famous opera singer and he was going to make tons of money. And I mean, he was on his way. And so we were out fishing one night and he said... He said, Smiley man, people don't get what we're really going after in life. Like they want to get their job and they want to get their pension and their retirement and their all that stuff. They don't know that we're out for adventure. We're out for something else. And I remember I was just holding my fishing pole and I looked over at him. I said, I'm going to be a teacher and try to, you know, impact <laughs> kids, you know, which is noble. But I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, No, 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 you're, you're going to be a comedian. I'm going to be an opera singer. And I was like, no, I'm not. But so there were moments like that throughout my life where people were like, just boldly just said, no, this is what you're going to do. Yeah. Like normally you'd
1: refer to that as like, God put people in your path that were planting seeds, but those seem like more than just seeds planting. It was like people were just speaking that into existence, like help seeing something. Again, I keep coming to like a foregone conclusion. That's actually pretty amazing that somebody's like, no, no, no. Hey, when you do your bit, You need to make a make up
2: a bit about soap being small. Like, that's hilarious to me that they just saw that in you. So I look back on it because I think my prayer was for God to use me however he designed me to be used. But I would have never pursued stand up comedy on my own. And so I think not only did he open the door, I think he kind of kicked me through it. Because I did that one stand-up competition, and then I did stand-up a couple other times because I was in a fraternity, and they said I wouldn't have to pay for me and my date for the banquet if I nice. could. You know how cheap I am. So I did, a, oh. <laughs> I did a couple of stand-up bits just to pay for like our banquet feet. Love it. But yeah. I graduated, and before I became a teacher, I wanted to see what it was like to have money, and um, teachers <laughs> don't get paid what they should. So... <laughs> I did. That's true. That is totally true. And so I didn't want to pick a job based on uh, finances or anything. And so I worked for this uh, family friend of ours who's a photographer and I did photography for a year and kind of built up a nice nest egg and um, everything. And again, being frugal really helped. And so I was starting to make a little bit of money and I thought, okay, now I can start picking wherever I wanted to teach, where I felt like I could be the most like impactful And I was driving in Dallas one day and uh, I got (laughs) this is going to tell everybody how old I am. But uh, my pager went off because, you know, I was making that kind of money (laughs) and I I looked at it. Yeah. And it was area code six one five. It was the first time I'd seen that area code. And I didn't know what it was. Nashville, Tennessee. So I pulled over to Cracker Barrel payphone and called the number and I thought it was some dude about photography or something. And it was a friend of mine from college. And he was like, Hey, I'm road managing this guy named clay cross. And we're about to leave for tour. And we think it'd be fun to have a comedian come out and kind of MC and keep the crowd entertained. And I've got to hire a merch guy. So I saw you do this standup competition your junior year in college. And I thought you were, you were clean. And I thought you were good. Do you want to go on tour with us? And so I'm standing at a Cracker Barrel payphone and I'm like, okay, because I thought that that's weird. What an adventure. I'll go out and they'll send me home quickly when they realize, you know, I'm not a comedian, but I thought I'll take it. And that's amazing. Yeah. So I flew to Nashville, got off a plane and got on a tour bus and went out as a working quote unquote comedian. That's why when kids come to my shows, they'll ask me, they'll be like, hey, I want to be a comedian. How do I do it? And I'm like, do a stand-up competition your junior year in college yes. and wait for somebody to call you, <laughs> duh. Like that's, amazing. that's the worst advice in the world. But that's how I ended up doing it. So I started with Clay Cross, and he liked me, and he asked me to stay on and do a summer date. And so I did some festivals, and then the newsboys saw me, and then they asked me to go out on their Take Me to Your Leader tour with Third Day
1: which was a huge tour. It
2: was the number 1 tour in Christian music that year.
1: Probably in the top 10 across all genres if I had to guess even.
2: It was about anywhere from like 4 to 10,000 people a night. Yeah. Now, Holy I cow. I grew up in a town with 281 people. So, I'm walking on stage every night trying to do a 10-minute opening bit to start the show and then get uh it was plank eye and then I would do a little small bit in between plank eye Thank and God. third yes. day. And then I would do a product pitch where I would wear all the T-shirts and I would take them off one by one and <laughs> to promote the merchandise. But I would write yes. jokes for each. You know, I look back on my career and there's so many like moments where I'm like, wow, I can't believe I. But I did this joke because I was taking the shirts off and people were cheering. And I would stop <laughs> and go, you know what? I would like to point out I'm the only Christian stripper uh working around and i'm like how did i get away with that and then i would i would wait until the laughter would die down and i'd go but with a body like mine girls usually chant put it on put it on and i'm like i can't believe i got away with that kind of stuff but i was just trying to figure out how to do it so god kept like putting these tours so i did a clay cross i did the newsboys tour that's where youth leaders started asking me, Hey, my kids were laughing and they don't laugh at a lot of stuff. Will you come do a show for our youth group? And so I started Man, doing some solo incredible. shows. But I toured with the Supertones, Five Iron Frenzy. Like, probably the first six years, it was mainly touring with bands.
1: You're listing my childhood. Like, you're listing what was in my, you know, they had like Trapper Keepers for CDs. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. Remember those like sleeves? I'll never forget uh, one time I was getting on a flight. It was when, like, Southwest Airlines, I think, was kind of brand new. And I got on a flight with my family at um, Midway Airport in Chicago. And it, you know how Southwest is like open seating? I know you fly first class or probably private everywhere now. But um, yeah, but
2: I've, I've talked to my gardener. <laughs> he flies Southwest, yeah. but go ahead.
1: So I walk on the plane, and the only seat open. I sit down and guess who's next to me? The great Phil Joel. Oh, Phil, Joe.
2: oh, Phil nice. Joel! Phil Joel,
1: because you, and you can't miss him, right? He had the hair, you know the the Newsboys' uh, former bass player. Is he current bass player again? I don't no, know. he's
2: doing his own projects and stuff. Yeah, he, he's a good friend of mine. He, uh, yeah. So uh, finish your story, but I want to tell a story about Phil. Whenever you don't. well, I was
1: just kicking myself because I had my sleeve of CDs. <laughs> And it was like the one time I didn't have a newsboy CD in there. And sure enough, he's like, hey, mate, let me see what's in your collection. And he starts small talking with me. And this was long before I even started making music, but I will never. And I've told him that many times. I'm like, I sat next to you on a plane on Southwest Airlines because he was one of those guys that like he just looked like a rock star. He stuck out. Oh, he is like, a rock and he still star, yeah. does, you know, yeah. but anyways, I just thought that was uh, my funny Phil Joel from That's Newsboys crazy. chance encounter. Of course, instead I had a hoodie in the Blowfish CD, you know, <laughs> he's like, ah, I, I blew it. So well, what's your Phil Joel story?
2: <laughs> you had a hoodie, but you got to build a testimony. So, you know, you're, you were, you were in the world. <laughs> that was, hopefully that was not my rebellious,
1: <laughs> my rebellious streak.
2: <laughs> well, so again, I just kept feeling like a uh, imposter. As a a comedian, you know, that at some point somebody was going to say, hang on. In fact, I used to I had this little cartoon. uh, They used to make these things called newspapers and they would print these little cartoons in them. There was one where it was uh, this homeless guy sitting next to this gigantic roach and the roach had a trench. So he was homeless, too. And they were talking and the, um, the roach said. I used to be somebody, I was a big CEO of a major corporation. Uh, I had everything, jets, everything. And then one day somebody said, hang on, he's just a big cockroach. And it all went downhill from there. And I kept (laughs) that in my wallet because I was like, one day somebody's going to say, hang on, he's not a comedian. What's he doing on all these tours? My Phil Joel story was, there was, and again, I just got to keep going back to God, just kept going, no, I got you where I want you. This is where I went. Peter, for some reason, really liked me, and he started telling festival directors to use me for festivals. Uh, John Robertson and um, you know some of those guys, and um, and so I was like, man, why does this guy like me, and why is he trying to really help me and and further my career? But he was, and then we were at uh, Kings Island in Cincinnati. And uh, Mike Scanlon, who was the promoter at the time, he asked me if I would go and do a 30 minute set in a morning tent. Cause you know, comedy's great at 8 a.m. Oh, as gosh. the tent is heating up from the summer sun. And, you know, and so they asked me if I would go and fill in because a speaker didn't show up. And so I was like, okay. And I went over there and I was super nervous because it was like the second year I was doing stand up. And I was like, OK, they don't they're not coming to see me. It's morning, yeah. you know, and it's its everything bad for comedy. And I get on stage and I start my first joke and I look out in the crowd and Phil and his wife, Heather, were there and they had come over to support me. And just, just to
0: see. Oh, just wow. To see. And
2: I was like, I got choked up on stage when I just looked over there. I was like. So he's a huge rock star. He should be sleeping right now. And but he got up and, he, he, got up and he was like, that. I gotta go support Man, him. So I told him afterwards, I was like, Man, that that's meant a great so story. much to me. So all these guys just kept like supporting me. And so I, I did stand up for about four years. Uh we had our first baby. I bought a little house out in Thompson Station, south of uh, Nashville. Nashville. But again, I just kept thinking, okay, well, you know, when the shows dry up, I'm going to go back to Texas and start teaching. And I remember I had a whole spring and I had three shows of the whole spring. And I was like, well, okay, that's it. It's I didn't have any tours lined up with any bands or anything. And I was like, okay, well, I gave it a good try. And so... Uh, we were going to live there for three more months and then we were going to sell our house and move back uh, to Texas. So while I was there for three months, I needed to get a job, right? I got a new baby and all this. So I talked to this guy who could get me a job uh, in a warehouse making banners and it was hot and all that. And I didn't really want to do it, but I was like, okay, this is just part of life. You know, you do what you got to do. Yeah. And I remember I was walking out the, that morning and I walked out and the phone rang again, back when you had landlines. And I was like going to do the final interview, even though I was, I knew I was going to get the job. They wanted to do one more interview to go over everything. And it was the newsboys. And they were like, uh, Bobby, how's your spring look? And I was like, uh, I'm not trying to brag, but I got three (laughs) shows and, uh, And if I'm tallying it right, I'm going to make about $2,000 total for the next, uh, for the spring. And they were like, we've got 67 shows. You want to tour with us again? And so it came up to that point. I almost feel like God was like letting me have faith in him of like, oh, you know what? I'm going to do whatever I have to do to support my family. If it's work in a warehouse, I'll do that. And it came right up to that moment. And then it was almost like Abraham on top of the mountain of like, you know, <sighs> with Isaac and God's, you know, like Abraham, he's like, hang on, I'm doing something. You know, no, right. he was like, what? And and so all of a sudden my spring filled up. So like God kept me going through all those years. And and music was a big, huge part of of that, jumping on uh, with bands and stuff. And I didn't realize how unique that was because again, I didn't know a lot about the industry. So yeah, that's, I,
1: that's not the typical path for a comedian, nor is it the typical uh, lineup for a music show. So I would actually see too, like you're so gifted at what you do and you've put in, I mean, I, we never really answered the question of uh, the, you, you finally did the math of 24 years of doing this, but countless hours on stage and usually i mean what is the average comedian on stage is is working up what like you're starting and working up you're getting a good solid 10 minutes or something and then you're getting right i mean isn't it kind of like like a musician when i started writing songs i could i was like i know i'm good for this amount of time i know these covers i know these originals and then you build up to where you know how to do a full set but i mean you've put minutes hours I mean, you've done hundreds, probably thousands of shows at this point in in 24 years, but a lot of them have been in front of st- crowds that were there to hear music too, right? So <laughs> yeah. when you got on stage at a newsboy show, did you ever face like confusion from the crowd at first? Or like, did you feel like every night was like, these are not my people. I got to win them over. Like, how was that experience being largely touring as part of a music tour being a comedian,
2: that happened every single night because they were not there to see me. And the worst was the Supertones; they were so supportive and amazing guys. But it, it was always a warehouse with no chairs, and you've got eight hundred to two thousand standing there, just kids just standing there, and they're going. So one of the worst shows I ever in my life was at a festival called Winterfest, and it's a big, huge thing in Dallas, and. It's a Church of Christ like youth gathering. So a lot of my friends that graduated uh, from ACU and they became youth ministers, this was the first time they were going to see me. And I was on tour with the Supertones at the time. So I got added to the bill, even though they didn't really want you, me. Uh, <laughs> so as I get there that morning, I'm looking at the schedule and it's like speaker, speaker, speaker. It's like four hours of speaking. And then, and then at you? 10 o'clock at night, it just said Supertones show. And so- I go to the guys and I'm like, uh, the people that are putting it on, I was like, Hey, it doesn't say that I'm on the bill that tends to, uh, make it kind of bad. Um, so when you introduce me, can you make sure to say he's on tour with the supertones and he's a comedian? And, and they were like, Oh yeah, 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 it's fine. And I got contracted for 20 minutes and I mean, the kids are just beat down by all these speakers and they're just ready to just like let loose. And I I'm on side stage. And right before the guy goes out to introduce me, he goes, uh, by the way, uh, we're running behind, which we weren't. And he goes, instead of 20 minutes, we need five. Um, all right, here we go. So now I'm sitting here and I'm like, uh, okay, how do, what do I cut? What do I, you know, how do I get in? (laughs) And he walks out and he goes, are you guys ready for the super tones? And everybody's like, wow. And they were like, well, first, <laughs> we got a guy who's going to warm you up, which they didn't even warm up. Oh my gosh, that's he the goes, worst. He goes, please welcome Bob. Oh, and that's it. Gosh. And I walk out. And of course, all my my college friends are there, like seeing me for the first time. So this was an important moment for you, it was like and a they big just moment. oh my gosh. And I walk out. I. That's you can, the worst. You can bleep this if you need to, but this is. <laughs> I walk out, and it's dead quiet in this huge room. And one kid down front yells, "You suck!" Oh no! And At the Church of Christ conference. Yeah, but it was not in the church. It was uh it was in the world. It was in a big civic center. And he yells that out. And I just look at him and I go, Yes, I do. I don't know why I'm here, but I have now four and a half minutes I'm gonna tell you about my grandmother. And I start doing bits and I start kind of winning the crowd over. I I, I see yes, a lot of people yes. like they're talking and they're and I see like people going, Oh, hang on. Shh. I want to hear this dude. It's funny. Yeah, this and is funny. So yeah. I get him and about four minutes into it, I'm getting him. And then Dan Spencer, who's uh, the trombone player for the Supertones, nicest guy. He did not do this on purpose, but he's backstage and he starts to warm up his instrument. So you hear Uh-oh. this trombone and-, and the place just goes nuts. And I'm like, okay, that's oh my, my time.
3: Gosh. Oh,
2: I'm sure you've had these moments. I went backstage and I called uh, the guy that was booking for me cancel everything i'm done this is and i honestly i quit that night i was like i can't this is this is horrible i'm not good at this i'm not and he thankfully talked me into finishing the supertones tour and we had like eight more shows left on the tour by the time i'd done those other eight shows i was like no 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 i can do this like it, it so thankfully he talked me into it but
1: people don't realize i mean it's it's one thing to come into a like a cold room but to come into a room that's not even expecting what you do, I mean, you know, I've always faced concerts where, like, it, I've always seen every show, even when my name's on the ticket. As a challenge. And I, it's so funny because no matter how long I've done this, and maybe the same for you, Bob, but that story you just told about how you were introduced. So I had uh, Tim Tebow on some weeks ago on the show, and he and I, I reminded him of this story. This was literally last year. Like, I'm into my career. It is what it is, right? And they brought me in because the people were like, we got to have you. We, you like, we love what you do. And I was going to sing a song before Tim Tebow was the keynote speaker, and the whole day had been a disaster because they they had me come up and sing a song. But what they didn't tell me is they were distributing these, like, they were selling these, like, business sales courses. So after the speaker would speak... <laughs> They would dismiss people to the merchandise table to buy these sales courses while I was singing my song, (laughs) right? So I was already having a terrible day. But by the end, I'm singing one last song. Tim Tebow and I are backstage getting ready to go on. The lady goes up and introduces me, and she goes, in just a moment. The man you've all been waiting for. And they all start cheering. And then she goes, but first. (laughs) Yep. It's the but first that
2: ruins careers.
1: That's it. The man before the man. Please welcome Matthew West. And I felt, I walked out there. I felt so small. So I told Tim Tebow, I was like, I was your Moses or uh, uh, John the Baptist. You know what I mean? Not Moses. Yeah. yeah. He was like, I'm not fit to carry his sandals. Like (laughs) I'm the man. Prepare ye the way for Tim Tebow. So. No matter how far into my career, there's humbling moments, Bob, that like just make us question all of our lives' decisions. And then we have mountaintop moments, right? Like, talk about, do you have a favorite set you've ever done where you just walked off the stage and it was like, holy cow, that crowd was in the palm of my hand. They loved every joke. It was like, is there one that sticks out among the others? I'm just curious. Do you tend to remember the bad shows more than the good ones like me?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, okay. <laughs> I, okay. Knowing you, we've done this where we've talked about like all the uh, nightmare. When I get together with all my comedian friends, we never talk about how we killed or, you know, great shows. We right. all we want to talk about is the junior high lock-ins <laughs> at four in the morning, right after the shaving cream fight. And now here's Bob. <laughs> hey, waka, 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 you know, yes, just the horrible yes. setups and stuff, but there's been some great, uh, moments, yeah. I did a I did a big festival and uh it was eighty thousand people and wow. I was on right before switchfoot. Again, it was kind of early in my career and I'm like, I'm going on before switchfoot? Why? So, I just walked up and I was opening with a snow ski bit. And I talk about how my kid wants to go snowboarding. And I say snowboarders look really cool when they're going down the mountain. But when they stop, they <laughs> look ridiculous. And then I hop across, like, I'm, and I'm like, hey, you guys, wait up. You know, like I have a snowboard on there. That's awesome. When I hopped, the place went nuts and it was (laughs) 80,000 and you've done shows for this big of crowd. You don't see faces. It's a sea of hair. That's all you see. It's just huge. And 80,000 people, like the laughter, I stopped hopping because my bones were like vibrating from the laughter. And it was just like chilling. And I turned around and I was like, Oh, I got this. Like I, I'm going to take them on this adventure. And it was only 20 minutes, but I was like, I'm going to take them on this wild ride and we're going to have a blast. And that was one of the first, because it was early in my career, but that was one of the first moments of like, oh, I see what God's doing. Like, I can actually do this. Like, I can hopefully make people's lives a little better than when before they met me because I can give them this gift of laughter. And it was like electrifying. And so every laugh just Vibrated in my body, and I walked off stage. I was like, "Oh, I'm not gonna sleep for a couple of days." Like, this oh
1: that's yeah, the this best.
2: So there are some good stuff like that.
1: The moments we wish we never want to relive, but yet they're the great stories to tell. That's true.
2: I, I, I- laugh about this <laughs> when I'm having a bad day. Sometimes I'll think about this, but you and I were in um, Wisconsin at Life Fest,
3: and you yes. were headlining,
2: and something was wrong with the music like the the something was wrong with the band or the sound system or something it sounds about right <laughs> and i just walked out cuz i was performing at the comedy tent but i you know hadn't seen you in a while and so i walked on side stage and you were wearing a white shirt and a black vest, and you were keeping your cool because you do that. Like you're really good about that. Because most most singers would be like, I mean, you're the headliner, stressed, yeah, yeah. And they'd be losing it, but you were you were. But I could tell it was kind of getting to you. Oh you, yeah. You yeah. walked over to me and you just go, "Oh, smiley, I don't know." And I was like, Matthew, do not let this get you down, okay? Yes. The black vest was a bad decision, but you cannot let that. And I think of this moment so often when I'm having a bad day, you looked at me without missing a beat. You go, Smiley, this vest is all I have going for me right now. And I laughed so hard at that. I was like, we got to just look at the positives in every situation. Well,
1: so I tend to get super, like, I get really on edge right before walking on stage. But one night you were introduced to me. It might have been at that same festival even. And you don't know how much it, like, disarmed me in the best way. Where I, I probably went out on stage looser than ever before because I heard. I don't always hear the introduction, but you said something like, it was something about how I didn't know how to write in cursive yet. And you were like, (laughs) (laughs) you you completely just undressed me. (laughs) It was was some joke about like, you know, it's like his mother says he's the best and he's, soon to, pretty soon he's going to learn how to write in cursive and i don't know what it was about it it just made me like i walked out on stage just ready to have an absolute blast i butchered your material cuz it was way funnier than <laughs> oh, what I, I just said i think
2: i remember this it wasn't that festival it was another festival where i was mc in the main stage and i looked <laughs> over something. to i was going to see if you were ready and you were signing something <laughs> and so i said uh afterwards if you want to meet him uh He actually just learned how to write in cursive. He's very excited about that. (laughs) Please welcome my buddy, Matthew West. It just just
1: leveled me. Like I came out, I was like, okay, it's going to be that kind of night. Hey, I got a question for you. Do you need to supercharge your hiring? Well, you need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed is a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. I am an owner of a small business, Story House, and uh, whenever I'm needing a new candidate to join the team, I wanna do that as quickly as possible and find the best candidates as possible, and Indeed has made that possible. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. So listen, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash West. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com West. Indeed.com West. Terms and conditions apply. Pay per qualified applicant not available for all users. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No one likes waiting on a paycheck, especially when you've got bills due. Good thing there's Chime. Now you can get your paycheck up to two days early with direct deposit. That's up to two more days to save, pay bills, and generally just feel good about your money situation. But Chime is more than just about getting paid early. It's also an award-winning mobile app, checking account, debit card, and optional savings account so what are you waiting for hopefully not your paycheck get started with chime today applying for a free account takes less than two minutes get started at chime.com slash west that's chime.com slash west banking services and debit card provided by the bank corp bank or stride bank na members fdic early access to direct deposit funds depends on paying friends i'm trying to live a healthier lifestyle these days i hope you are too but as a kid i didn't care about that as a kid i ate cereal non-stop every meal <laughs> i would eat it straight out of the box and the more sugar the better these days i can't do that i used to, i just put the cereal away now because if you look for the healthy cereal it kind of tastes like cardboard but my friends i have found the solution catalina crunch cereal it tastes great and it's zero sugar, low carb, and high protein. How do they even do that? I'm telling you, I put uh, put it in a bowl with some oat milk. I found my favorite flavor. If you're a fan of chocolate stuff, the dark chocolate flavor is awesome. Catalina Crunch cereal has the crunch you crave without the added sugar. It's low carb, high protein, zero sugar, so you can feel fuller longer. It's made with clean ingredients. There's nothing artificial in Catalina Crunch cereal. Taste for yourself why over 10,000 customers rate Catalina Crunch five stars. Not four, not three, five. They've got eight crave-worthy flavors to choose from. Cinnamon toast, that's probably my second favorite. Dark chocolate, which is my favorite. The flavors go on. Every flavor is delicious on its own, but try mixing them together for some truly mouthwatering combos. Listen, Don't be surprised if you fall in love with every single one of these flavors. They're all delicious. See why Catalina Crunch is the fastest growing cereal brand in America. Just go to CatalinaCrunch.com slash Matthew West for 15% off your first order plus Free shipping. That's CatalinaCrunch.com slash Matthew West. Not sure which flavor to start with? Try a variety pack and check out their delicious cookies and snack mixes while you're at it. Again, that's CatalinaCrunch.com slash Matthew West for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. One of my personal missions with my music is connection that's kind of I boiled it down to this word connection, which I think in deep down every artist, communicator, comedian, singer, we're seeking to make a connection with the crowd. And then if you're a believer in Christ, obviously you want to connect people uh, to a relationship with the Lord. But the way that I've always seen that God has like made me to do that is humor and heart that combination of humor and heart and it used to be i would lean away from that when there was a time where you thought "Oh, i'm supposed to be like a brooding rock star or something and not not be funny and sometimes record labels would make me feel like that i say all that to say is that when i the joy i feel when a joke lands i don't want to disrespect the music part of my career but i gotta tell you like when the crowd laughs at a joke that might be just as fulfilling as when they sing along to a song like there's a there's like that snowboarding joke you told like with the feeling you said you felt in that moment when 80,000 people were tracking with you and laughed like that is that's an adrenaline rush like few other things, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And not to uh, compliment you because this is supposed to be about me. No, this is my turn, but, um, <laughs> but that's one of the reasons why I think we've like been friends, but, and I, I texted you when this happened, but I went to a radio station, uh, to, uh, interview for, cause I was doing a show in the area and they played me a clip that you did where you were like a, you, uh, were a superhero of something. And it was this little comedy oh, bit that you guys had recorded. And I remember and the first thing I texted you was like, look, you write hit songs that's your talent quit like encroaching on my comedy world like stop stop being funny and i i hope i texted you this part cuz this is where it was coming from you don't take yourself too seriously and i think that resonates with the crowd of you're like hey we're all here to have a good time Let's just do it. Let's let's go on this ride and have a great time. And so I'd love whenever you go out on a limb and like say something that, you know, to see if it's funny to to try that out, because the reward it's what you're saying. The reward is great. If you hear that laughter, you're like, oh, I I reach somebody that maybe I'm not reaching with my songs because there's always people that get drugged to shows. And so we want to connect with those people as well.
1: Not drugged at shows, but drugs. At shows. Yes. Yeah. That was,
2: yeah, yeah that was a uh, country USA that I did, but I'm not ready to talk about that. Uh, but there are yeah, people that are, that are talked into coming to our shows. And if you can give them something they weren't expecting, like yeah. a joke that they're like, Oh, wait a minute. He's funny too. You know, like you, then you've got that connection and then you can draw them in. And that's why I love comedy is because if I can get people to laugh, I've given them a gift. And so they'll lower their walls and then they'll listen to me talk about Jesus. And then that's when it gets like really cool is people are like, oh, I just laughed for an hour. And now he's telling me that there's joy in this world that I can, you know, that that the creator cares about me. Like, I'll listen to that, you know, and yeah, it's just amazing. I'm fascinated and
1: curious to get your perspective on this, because it seems like we're living in a time where laughter has never been needed more than in at least in my lifetime than I can remember of course you and I didn't live through the great depression but or as that uh one comedian have you ever heard that one uh, comedian special the great Depression? uh what's his name Gary um Gary Goldman
2: I don't listen to him because I'm a Christian but go ahead you, you're a fan <laughs> yeah he's
1: Jewish yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> laughter is so needed right now and yet people taking offense the heightened sensitivity that we see in our world. Everybody's ready to pop off on everybody else. Everybody's ready to be offended by everybody else. And I'll never forget, you know, you came to my aid and my defense just with a kind word of encouragement. When I when I attempted to do something to bring about laughter during a hard time with my Modest is Hottest song, and uh, then everybody jumped on me, uh, you know, attempting to cancel the the Christian guy who, uh, whose message was being misinterpreted. But the way you reached out to me, it was so interesting because it told me that you as a comedian and other comedians who are doing what you do, like you see a guy like me and go, it could be any one of us where, because people don't wanna, like they need to laugh, but they don't have a sense of humor right now. Is that, has that been your
2: experience and how are you handling that in, in
1: the material that you go about
2: creating? people need to laugh more than ever because of 2020. And I kind of discovered that all my shows canceled in 2020. And again, I'm not, I don't like to brag about myself, but I became a four-star review Uber Eats driver <laughs> and um, I was quite good. And That's right. yeah, I, I treated it like a, like a video game because I would get my destination and I would jump, I'd get the food and I'd jump on the freeway and I was like, it's Grand Theft Auto, man, come on. <laughs> and, you know. And then if I do it like in like rural cities, I'd be like, it's like Red Dead Redemption, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like I would, I would try to like, but that's what I had to do. And so when I would hand food over to people, I would make jokes and stuff. And people I would find if I, you know, said some kind of joke about, you know, their mailbox or whatever, they, they would be like, oh, hey, talk to us more. Like people were cra- and they didn't know who I was, but they were craving. Wow. Like that kind of, one time I was in our grocery store in the middle of the pandemic. And this guy had three kids and he walked up to me and he goes, Hey, I know you. And I don't know why I did this. Cause I'm not usually like confident, but I was like, Oh, do you see my dry bar special or what? And he goes, no, you delivered food to us last Sunday. And I was like, Oh, Oh, I was your driver. <laughs> yes, that's, that's right. But he said, he goes, my kids were going stir crazy and you started making them laugh. And he was like, Like, thank you for the food, but more importantly, thank you for like just making my kids laugh. I hadn't heard them laugh in a while. And I was like, oh, that's so true. So everybody does want to laugh, but everybody I say this in my show, like, you know, there's so many Karen's roaming the hillsides that, you know, it is so now you don't know if you're going to be slapped. You don't know if you're going to be attacked. Like everybody's got an opinion. And I think the one of the dangers that came out of the quarantine was people went to the Internet and they decided that their opinion absolutely matters and everybody else should have their opinion. Yes. So it's not a, hey, what do you think? Let's sit down and talk about it. It's I think the isolation made people sit and and figure out what their hard opinions are. And by golly, everybody else should be going you know right along in step. And so now people are just like looking to be offended on that. And so I try to disarm them right at the beginning of my shows. And, and I open my show with, you know, thank you for taking a chance on me. I'm going to try my best not to offend anybody. So let's get started. How many have had the vaccine and voted for Trump? (laughs) I'm like, let's just, I'm just blazing into it. I'm like, let's go. But yeah, your thing, man, it, it boggled me. I was at the gym and I pulled up Instagram and you popped up and I started reading some of the comments and it was right when all this was breaking. And so I didn't know what they were talking about. And so I went, like did some research, um, because any excuse not to run on the treadmill. And I <laughs> and I pulled up that video and I hadn't seen it and it made me laugh so hard. I was like, okay, it can't be that video. <laughs> and I was just yeah, I was just blown away, but I think that is the the exact example of where we are in this world. That you can put something out like that that is obviously a comedy video. And I'm certain that But people are going to just pinpoint and, you know, and you're trying to make the world a better place. So you're going to have a target on your back. Like we're all Mm. if we're trying to make this world a better place, we're all going to have a target on our back. And I just felt like, man, all of a sudden, everybody's just pouring their time into let's let's destroy this. And so doing comedy now, it is way more dicey. Yeah,
1: I would imagine it would be. And what I love is I, I look at your tour calendar and you're not slowing down at all. Before our conversation's over, I'm going to make sure people know where to go to find out. In fact, I'll just say it right now. It's bobsmiley.com is the website and your tour page. you got a bunch of shows coming up. How good does it feel to be back on stage? And one quick question before that. Um, You mentioned four-star rated Uber Eats driver. Uh, How high did the stars go? And if they go higher than four, is there... A particular reason why you
2: yeah so uh, my website is bobsmiley.com it is good to be back on uh, stage um, no I, I got dinged a couple of times because I would show up at restaurants and they wouldn't have the food ready and oh no, it's the restaurant's they, fault I see yeah. yeah yeah
1: but you're back on stage and it's got to feel amazing
2: right my wife is so excited she, that I am she back uh, she is booking so shows is my right wife. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, our wives are our new agents.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's funny because my wife follows your wife on uh, Instagram and like every once in a while she'll DM her and, and be like, oh, we got a weekend uh, off, you know, and like we're this, <laughs> like we're so excited and no, it is, it feels so good because I mean, we're doing what we think God Creatives to do. And for a year, we couldn't do that. You know, I tried to do Zoom shows, but my neighbor's Wi Fi was terrible. And so I couldn't get a good connection. <laughs> so I, I, for a year, couldn't do anything. And yeah. it, it really got to me. And so it does. It feels really good. It's funny because now, whenever I'm doing my own ticketed events and stuff, I have a hard time not just going out in the lobby and talking to people and stuff. And like, you know, people are like, hey, let them get in so we can start the show. And I'm like, yeah, but Phyllis drove two hours. Let me talk, you know, like it I just I love it. I love it that it's it's back.
1: Oh man, it's incredible. I, I can't encourage people uh enough to come and see one of your shows. I mean, I think you're so gifted at what you do. And what I really related to what you said you shared earlier about the that imposter component of like it doesn't matter, like it's so funny because I think guys like you and me, like we have the kind of jobs that don't necessarily, it's not like, here's my diploma. (laughs) So here's the job that I do. And I would, I would imagine that even people with that type of job still are going to wrestle with any day. Now, Somebody's going to find out that whatever, that I'm not really as good as they think I am or whatever. And in music, it's that way a lot where, you know, your mind can just tell you like, Oh man, people think I'm a good songwriter any day now. They're gonna find out that I'm that I got all these bad songs or whatever it might be. <laughs> like fast forward to where you are now. Twenty-four years later, you're back doing what you know God put you on this earth to do. You're getting to stand up in front of people again. You seem more just in even talking to you. You seem very secure in the way that you're wired, who you were made to be, and what you were made to do. You've come a long way from 24 years ago, some kid at school. Who who knew before you were that you were going to be a stand up comedian? What do you say now? Like when Bob Smiley looks in the mirror and gets ready to face the day and gets ready to go on stage, what goes through your head as you're about to do what you were put on this earth to do?
2: I'm really in 2020 of all the bad things that came out of it, uh, and I actually was talking to uh, Tim Hawkins today about this, but we now don't take it for granted. You know, like there are shows that I still go and do that I, I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't gonna be, you know, that great. But I'm like, it is an honor and it is an opportunity to step on stage and make somebody out there's life a little bit better and then be able to tell them about Jesus. And so even if it's like a late night show that you're tired and you don't want, it's still a huge honor and an opportunity. And so I think that's what gets me up to right in the mornings uh, when I'm home is I'm like, Okay, I'm going to be on stage in 4 days. I want to have something new for them. I want to because it is an opportunity. I don't want to squander that. I don't want to get up and do the same old sets and stuff like that. I feel like God's given me a gift with shows now. And so every single show is a gift and I want to appreciate that gift as much as I can.
1: Tell me about the the writing part real quick because maybe as a singer, there's songs that if I if I didn't sing the same song every night, I'd be in trouble, but with a comedian like, do you feel that pressure that your set needs to be constantly changing? You seem to be, even from the very beginning, you would write jokes for the audience you knew who you were in front of. Talk about the discipline of your writing for each show or each tour you do.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting as far as a comedian because you will always have somebody at the end of the show say, yeah, I heard all that. Even if you you broke in, I did a show uh, in Illinois, or no, uh, Pittsburgh last weekend and a guy got a, walked up to me afterwards. He's like, "Yeah, I heard all that," and I was like, "I did three what? new bits that equaled about like eighteen minutes of new stuff that I had never done on stage ever." So I knew he was not like telling the truth. That was just
1: a guy who wanted to say I heard. Yeah, all
2: that. I, yeah, I heard all that stuff. So you always have those guys, and then you have people that will walk up and go, "Hey, you didn't tell the Chuck E. Cheese story. I brought my friend. I wanted to hear that." So you're never going to have a hundred percent people. There's always going to be people that want to hear your oh, old gosh. stuff. And there's always going to be people that want to hear an hour and 20 minutes of brand new stuff that you've never done before. And it's got to be killer. And so I try to have one new bit, even if it's only like a three minute bit. I try to have one new bit every single night that I get on stage just to try to have something new. And then because I've been doing it for so long... I have this huge body of work and you're probably the same way. Like you can change it up and play an old song and then play a new yeah, song. And then, yeah. So I've been doing that. And my show's really like hyperactive, you know, run around stage and stuff. So it lends itself to be able to, to go, Oh, hang on. I got this story of, you know, about having to mow lawns when I was a kid and I'll just throw it in and it fits because nobody knows where I'm going in my show anyway. So I can just be like, "Hey, this popped in my brain. Let me tell that." So it keeps the shows like really refreshed and and new, and it keeps it refreshed for me too. So I'm not just going up and just. Here's the stories. And-, and,
1: and I would think too, like there's probably some amount of crowd work that you do too. Like when something happens in the show.
2: Yeah. I have a lot of bits where I try to keep people from leaving. Cause that tends to be a problem at my shows. <laughs> so I have a lot of, of like, Hey, no, no, no. Matthew West is coming up next. You know, like stuff like that. But- so I do this, like I do this, I
1: guess I can call it a bit now. I don't really ever think of it, but like I tell a story of how I tried to get a record deal. And for three years straight, I got rejected by everybody, and sometimes their criticism would crush me. They'd say, "He's not talented enough. He's not a good enough singer. He's not charismatic enough. He's not handsome enough." And then yeah, he I would didn't just have let Jeremy that...
2: Camp's biceps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, and I've let... read those emails. <laughs> exactly,
1: and the crowd would, the crowd would kind of go, "Ooh," and I'd, and then I would tell them, I'd ask, "Hey, is this a safe place? Can I be vulnerable?" And then I would tell them my secret that. So many nights I would cry out to God in my bed in Nashville with tears coming down saying, Lord, of all those criticisms, that last one, you and I both know that last one is a lie from the pit of hell. <laughs> you, what I lack in talent, you've more than made up for in this space. And of course I'm being like, just dumb, arrogant, right? Like just oh, being so up, good. over the top. But but these people would come to multiple shows and I'd hear them shout, I'd say, Lord, between you and me, we know. And they go, "That last one's alive from the pit of hell." <laughs> like they would, they would tell my punchline before I got to it. Has that ever happened to you? And how mad do you get?
2: <laughs> I have this bit that I've been doing forever, um, and it's about my voice being high. And so the bit is, I'm a protector of uh, my boys. We have five boys. And so I'm the protector. So I go, uh, what kind of protector would I be if you were a burglar breaking in downstairs with this? And I was at the top of the stairs Would this scare you. And I act like I'm looking down my stairs and I go, you better not be down there. And the crowd laughs and I go, you know, what am I, I'm the only guy that can say, uh, you better get out or I'll call my husband. Like that's the bit. (laughs) <laughs> well, I have a bit now that has a really good uh, kind of gospel message to it. And so I need to do that bit to set up a callback to this this new bit that I'm doing. And so now when I do that bit, and, it, and that bit gets requested all the time. So like... So I just I do that bit normally every single night somewhere in my act. And how <laughs> they shout. There's so many shout, nights that you it, better, yeah, be you, better be down, down, you better not be down there. And I'm like, Golly, can you just let me do my just illusions? Let me do it. You, yeah. <laughs> I, I was doing a youth event one time, and uh, mm. my first CD had come out, and it had a bit about my dad's belt being huge because my dad's a big dude. And <laughs> so it was like it looked like nine cows sewn together around him, it hooked together with two big horns, it had a udder that hung off one side. You know, it was like this whole bit. Yeah, and yeah. this this kid down front yells out. Your dad's belt. And I was doing a bit about like Snuggies or something. Like I was doing some other. Re- but he wanted, he, the, he dad's wanted the dad's belt. He wanted the dad's belt. So I go, uh, he wants me to do this bit. So I'll do it now. And so I start to do it. And he stands up and starts doing it with me. And I was like, no, no, no. Only one of us can do the bit. And since I have the microphone. Totally ruining it for the rest of yeah, the crowd. I was like, because comedy, there's an element of surprise that makes it. like you, And you, you pause when you go. God, we both know yeah, that that last yeah. one, yeah. And when people <laughs> shout out to me, it just ruins it. Like, it absolutely, it's so, so I've, yeah, I've had that happen a lot.
1: Oh, I love it. I knew I was going to laugh like crazy today, and uh, maybe that's why I was 10 minutes late, just to prepare to myself prepare for, your for the laughter. For, Can yeah. I ask you one more question? I want to ask you though, I love to co- sort of end at the beginning and you've talked about it multiple times and it's very clear. Yeah. Not to interrupt
2: s- you real quick though, but I do yeah. want to, because I do like to, I like laughing, but, um, I do like to talk about God and I, I like to share my moment, uh, of where like God really, uh, got yes. me. It happened on a, a blue couch, uh, when I was a kid, <laughs> is it okay if I share that story? It sounds very
1: familiar. Uh, I I want you to know that God has a plan for you to experience your own blue couch moment. It doesn't have to be on a blue couch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, here's, I do listen to your podcast all the time and, uh, I do follow you, uh, you know, so I can keep up with you and stuff. And didn't you actually bring a blue couch out for a while?
1: Yeah. This whole spring tour, um, it's I didn't kind know, of a fixture I wasn't now. invited
2: uh, to be, yeah.
1: on a tour. But. <laughs> we bring the couch out and, uh, And throughout the night, it's sort of a fixture. And then at the end of the night, I sort of, you know, unpack the significance of what that represents in the hopes that the audience leaves thinking about their own, you know, whatever that might be. And really in the hopes that it might, if they don't have one already, that they might realize their blue couch moment is standing in an audience, in an auditorium where they felt like God was knocking at the door of their hearts, you know, just like the way. And I love how you've shared through everything we've talked about today, you keep pointing back to how you you know your mission is to you're getting people to laugh, but then you're delivering the message of of hope that you have in Christ. And so I just love hearing from each guest when they share. Like, this was the moment when I first decided that. I was going to use my gifts for God or I was going to follow Him because it's just hearing what everybody's why is. I think about that a lot. Like, what's, and so many people feel like they don't have purpose in life. But when I talk to you, I'm like, I know Bob Smiley knows he has a purpose and he knows God has him here on an earth, on the earth, on an earth, any earth, that He has you here on this earth for a purpose and He's uniquely gifted you to communicate in a way that only Bob Smiley can do. So, so I love to hear the origins because I want each audience listener, this podcast to be thinking about that in their own life.
2: Yeah. So I do listen to your podcast. And when you first started asking people about their blue couch moment, the very first time I heard it, and I can't remember who the the guest was, but I was driving and it made me think about my own blue couch moment. And I was like, this is what he wants. This is what he wants people to reflect. So when you did um, ask me the first time before you canceled, and then before you relate this time, (laughs) I was like, Oh, you know, because my blue couch moment, actually have I have two I have two blue couch moments when I was a freshman in high school we lived way out in the country again I grew up in this very very tiny town and then we uh, had farmland way out in the country and my parents bought a hot tub and we had a hot tub that sat outside of our back porch and it just opened up the where you just saw this huge you know sky And so I was sitting out in the hot tub by myself one night and the stars were just everywhere. Like it was just crazy. And it was a full moon. And I'm just looking at it and you could look out in the darkness, but there was this one big oak tree that you could kind of still see a little bit. And it was just gnarly, huge, big. and, uh, And I was just looking at it like the creation of how that grew and everything. And I'm looking at the moon and the stars. And I was like, man, God, you are everywhere. And you are so creative. You are so powerful. And the fact that you're hearing me talk right now, like that you think I am like significant enough to even hear me talk to you is amazing. And that was my blue couch moment of like, if the God of all of this like deemed that it was important that I was alive, that I was born and that like, he has a plan and a purpose for me. And so that, that moment in that hot tub, I was like, whatever I do in life, I want to do it for you. And I just, I I give my life over to you to, to, I trust that you are always going to have a better path than any path that anybody else tries to get me on or that I try to put myself on. The bad part of that story is I can't carry a hot tub around in my shows. There's a lot of, you know, splashing and, like, I can't. I was going to say,
1: we've done, like, 110 episodes and you're the first Blue Couch story that takes place in a hot tub. So
2: I will say,
1: most people find anything but God in a hot tub, but
2: you... I saw your eyebrows go up when I started that story. I was like, that's why I tried to get to the, I was by myself at the time. I was like, God, if you made Betty Lou look like this, then you obviously know what you're doing. No. You're a good God. <laughs> you are a good God. You are creative. It's, the hills are alive. Yeah, no. Oh my God! But... But it really was that, that moment. So when I heard you, first, yeah. the first time I heard you tell that story about being on the blue couch, and it was a Billy Graham uh, yeah, crusade episode. deal right there. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that was my moment. Because also, I'm very loud, and I'm very, you know, kind of take over. And so so I hear, I, I love listening to preachers, love it, but I needed to be quiet. I needed to be in a very quiet place that I could look up and just feel God's presence over me. And that that became my, my blue couch moment of that. And then I know we're, we're running out of time, but the other one was, we, uh, um, I was married for almost 18 years, and then she left and married this really good friend of ours at, uh, from church that we were hanging out with all the time and stuff. And so I was a single dad of three boys for a long time, and really, like, our whole world just caved in, and uh, it, it took us all by surprise. We didn't see it coming, like, all this just— So for years, I'd been traveling around and telling people, hey, God can get you through anything. God can do it. But I had such a great childhood and such great and ended up in a career that I never thought I'd be able to do. I pretty much all my life have been standing on a mountaintop shouting down to people in the valley going, hey, God can get you through this. But I'd never been in the valley. I've never been in this dark place. So my other kind of blue couch moment was pretty much right after everything had come out and, you know, we were having to deal with just everything. And I was trying to, you know, level my kids and just worry about, you know, what the future is going to look like and all this stuff. I got a call from Huntsville state prison, which is just up uh, from my house. And he was like, Hey, I heard you're going through some stuff. And uh, will you come talk to our prisoners? And I was scared to death because I'd never been to a prison before it sounds like a bit, but it's true. Whenever you check in, you can bring your ID and you can bring a key. You can bring your car key. But I told my oldest son, I was like, I'm bringing my sharpest key. Uh, <laughs> because, like, I don't know, yeah. but I was, so I'm standing in this room and they're bringing the prisoners in one by one. And I took my oldest son uh, cause I thought if there's a riot, you know, I can outrun him. And uh, no, that's not true. Um, but <laughs> I took my oldest son cause I thought it'd be good for him uh, to see. Yeah, the experience. Plus we were just going through so much at this time. And I'm standing there and I'm broken. And I don't know if I could even make people laugh. And I'm like, okay. And the first prisoner walked in and he had tattoos all over his face. And he was, you know, like what most of your listeners probably visualize in their mind. And he walks right up to me and he just, he points his finger at me and he goes, man, thanks for coming. And I was like, man, you, you don't even know if I'm funny or not. And I'll never forget what he said. He goes, you know what? We don't care if you're funny. Nobody comes to see us. So the fact that you and your boy are even here, man, that just gives us a little bit of hope. And sometimes a little bit of hope is all you need to get through life. And I just stood there and I just, and again, it's it's kind of not a blue couch moment, but it was because I just, I audibly kind of heard God's voice like, I still got you. I can still use you. And that was the moment that I was like, oh, I need to quit this like poor pitiful me. Like I need to get back out there and do And it was it was really cool. The guy got kind of emotional. He was like, you know, I'd love to hug you if you'll put that key down. And um, (laughs) so I but he he hugged me and they brought them all in one by one, sat them in there. I got up and I started doing jokes because that's what I do. And they were laughing. And that was healing for me because I was like, oh, God can still use me. And because I really thought I was done. And I, I was making them laugh, and they were making me laugh. I, I so I this is the this is the callback bit. I did, I did the bit about my voice being high, and I was like, pretend. I said to a room full of prisoners, pretend you're a burglar breaking in downstairs at my house. And one prisoner yelled out, "Don't have to pretend." <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, yes! there's still joy to be found, like. God wow. can take bad situations. Like God's still going to be able to use me. God's still going to be able to equip me to love on my boys and get them through this time and like it was a it was a true moment of almost like rededication of like Oh, wait a minute. I, and I thought back to that moment in the hot tub. I was like, man, I, I'm giving my life to God. Nothing's changed. I'm still going to give my life to God. And yeah, we're going to have a target on our back. Bad, people are going to make bad decisions that can destroy a family or two families. And I can have to live through that. But God still can show up every single day and get us through it. And so that was kind of my other like blue couch moment of like, I, I left that prison. You know, I went to encourage them and. I left the most encouraged person of like, Oh, God's got this. Like he absolutely has this. And so those are my, those are my two moments.
1: That's a blue couch moment. If there ever was one. And thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm glad that we are ending our conversation at this point because you and your comedy, and I'm so glad that you, we're going to face those moments where we do feel like, well, we're done. Like whatever happened to me whatever or whatever's happened to me, whatever I've done, whatever you know, even that, that inmate who you were making laugh, like you were letting them know that there's still life to be lived and that God still has plans for them. Even as you were wondering if the same was true could be true for you, and and that's what your laughter that you bring people everywhere helps them do it. Just say, "Hey, come on, keep going." Like there's still joy to be found. Uh, joy comes in the morning. Sorrow may last for a night. Yeah,
2: that's what God does. Is He uses? That's why community is so important for each other. Is that we encourage uh, one another. And so I was telling them that they, I was like, "Look, I'm in this bad situation," but you know, and and as I was telling them, I was kind of telling myself but they all lined up afterwards and a lot of them were, were saying, "Yeah, man, it just seems bleak, but you get you gave me some hope." I don't want the listeners to think I'm bragging on me. I fully believe God orchestrated that moment for them and for me. And That's I even kind of, of I kind of messed it up because as I was just pouring my heart out, I realized that the guy that she left with um, lived up in <laughs> by the Huntsville State Prison and I was like by the way, if any of you are getting out soon, um, oh I'd love to gosh. share. <laughs> and I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. But but as they were lining up and, and and hugging me, they were just talking about hope and like, we just need hope in life. One guy did lean in and say, <laughs> he looked at me and he goes, seriously, all I need is that dude's name. And so I was like, <laughs> okay. So I, I gave people. it to him. <laughs> yeah. But it was that moment of oh, we're man. built for community and we need to be encouraging one another because truly we've all been through some stuff and- so I think it does help to hear that, oh, God's got, gotten you through this. He can definitely get me through. You know, it's just that that remembering how powerful. That's why the hot tub moment was so good, because I that was the first moment I was like, man, you are so creative. I never really stopped to look at all the things. And I think we got to remember that he is in charge.
1: That's good, Bob. Where do you like people to stay in touch with you the most? Obviously, bobsmiley.com is where they can find out all your tour dates. You're traveling throughout the month of June, July, August. you got shows, really, June, July, August, September, October. You're going to be Texas, all over Texas, Virginia, Pennsylvania, uh, Oswego, Illinois, not far where I grew up. Uh, that's in September. So lots of events going on and they can find that out at bobsmiley.com. Is Instagram a good place for them to stay in touch with you?
2: Yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, if your listeners are sinners, I'm on TikTok. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> terrible Or if thing. they
1: don't mind China tracking. <laughs> yeah, um,
2: <laughs> yeah, But yeah, I'm on all that stuff.
1: I can't encourage enough. Go, go follow Bob on social, whichever one you like. I always just bring a a moment of uh levity to when in fact i looked on your instagram today and it was just a selfie of you um it looked like you were getting some sun and there's always just i know something funny is happening i just have to pay close attention and sure enough in the background your dog is pooping right behind <laughs> you and i'm like i knew it wasn't just a, a nice picture of you getting some sun so <laughs> Uh, man, I, I appreciate you so much, and I'm so glad that we finally made this happen. And I look forward to canceling on you many times in the future. <laughs> yeah, let's
2: let's make this a running gag.
1: <laughs> Bob Smiley, thanks for coming to the story house and being part of the podcast.
2: Yeah, thank you, Jeremy K- uh Matt West. <laughs> Nailed it.
1: <laughs> he found God in the hot tub, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, it's time for songs from the story house i picked today's song for one particular reason it feels like summertime to me and uh you know it's june 1st let's go and this was a song i wrote i wanted to feel like uh you could hear it on the radio roll the windows down and uh you know it's a feel-good song it's also a statement of faith song you know it talks about why i make christian music why it's important for me to sing about jesus and not other things But um, ironically, the title, well, the title of the song became ironic because it's called Love on the Radio, and the song never went to the radio. So we'll call it Love on the Podcast for today, but I hope you enjoy it.
0: I could sing a different kind of song. I could chase more money. Yeah, I could try to be famous. Everybody love me I could try to muddy up my message I could water down my words Till nobody knows what I'm saying But that ain't gonna work Cause if you know, know, know Jesus Like I know, know, know Jesus Then you know, know, know the reason why I'm putting love on the radio spreading joy everywhere I go There's no way to hide my hope no, this little light of mine, hey I'm gonna let it shine Telling the world to save my soul, the only way I know With love on the radio oh, oh, Does every song have to be about Jesus? Well yes, yes it does Cause I can only sing about what I believe in And I believe in his life-changing love If you know me no, Jesus, like I know, no, no, Jesus, thinking no, no, know the reason why. I'm putting love on the radio, spreading joy everywhere I go. There's no way to hide my hope, oh, no. This little light of mine, hey, I'm gonna let it shine. Telling the world to save my soul, the only way I know. With love on the radio. Radio, love on the radio. Ooh, ooh. And if you know, no, no, Jesus, like I know, no, no, Jesus, then you know, no, no, the reason why. And if you love, 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 Jesus, like I love, 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 Jesus, then you love, love, love the reason why. I'm putting love on the radio. Joy everywhere I go, there's no way to hide my hope, no, this little light of mine, hey I'm gonna let it shine, shine. tell the world to save my soul, the only way I know, love on the radio, love on the radio, love on the radio.
1: He's my dad and he gives good advice and that's why today's final segment of the show is called Dad Advice. Play that music.
0: He is my dad and he gives good advice and that's why this segment is called Dad Advice.
1: Dad, you we're surprised to get uh, a feature at the K-Love Fan Awards. People are going to get the chance to watch it on television. I'm not sure if they're going to keep your part in or not. They edit that show down quite a bit. but uh, Yeah,
3: they're going to cut that part out for sure. Were you
1: surprised that I came over to you and in, uh, in front of... Th- 3,000, at least 3,000 in attendance at the Kayla Fan Awards, I gave you a chance to tell one of your dad jokes.
3: I, I was so surprised because on our tours, when we in front of 50 to 100 people in a Q&A, it scares you to call me up to tell a dad joke to that many. And here we were, two, 3,000 people.
1: What was the dad joke you chose to tell at the Kayla Fan Awards?
3: The dad joke was that I had uh, been cutting down on sweets and uh, that I have given up chocolate, nuts, and marshmallows. And uh, I ain't going to lie, it was a rocky road.
1: <laughs> there you go. There
3: you go. <laughs> and you got a standing
1: ovation. Yeah. So it must have... I think just because everybody was... Um, <laughs> tired from sitting all night that they yeah. had to stand up. But uh, <laughs> hey, uh, send us out with some encouragement today. We've been focusing on the theme of my latest song, Me on Your Mind, and looking at scripture, just being reminded of throughout scripture, you can read these different stories and see how God is is trying to let us know that he's mindful of us. And who are we going to talk about today?
3: We're going to talk about Zacchaeus. When I was a little kid, I called him Zacchaeus. And I, I learned about Zacchaeus uh, in uh, Vacation Bible School, and that's where you learned about him, too. So many stories in the Bible are so captivating, and this is one of them. And I want to encourage those of you that are familiar with Zacchaeus to go to Luke chapter 19, 1-10, and just uh, read it and devour those verses. And for those of you that aren't, you will get so much out of studying the life of Zacchaeus. Uh, just... Some great things about him. Uh, He was small and stature. And and we're talking about you're on his mind when you feel small. And uh, Zacchaeus felt small because he was actually small in stature, but he was also a crooked tax collector. He was not popular. He was not respected. He was avoided. And all of a sudden, things changed because he heard Jesus was coming to his town. He couldn't see because of the crowd, so he went up a tree, climbed up a tree to see Jesus. In verses 5 and 6 of Luke 19, I want to encourage you to really Zero in on that. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Powerful scene there. Jesus looking up seen Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was touched and he responded right away. He was overwhelmed by God's love. The crowd was angry. They didn't like Zacchaeus. And who did Jesus pick out? Three quick things to just remember about Zacchaeus and the story of Zacchaeus. One, the word determine. Determine not to let those around you define you. Their opinion of your value is not God's opinion. The crowd hated Zacchaeus, but Jesus loved him. Secondly, destiny. It was not an accident that Jesus was passing through Jericho that day. He had come to the town with Zacchaeus on his mind. He had come to bring salvation to him and his household, and Zacchaeus was changed. He was transformed. And what did he do? Third word, declare, we all have a story, and Zacchaeus had a story of redemption and transformation. His story has changed lives down through the years. As we read that story, we do have hope that no matter what background, no matter what we feel about ourselves or about what others feel about us, Jesus loves us. Revelation twelve eleven, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony.
1: I love the story of Zacchaeus, because I think he was a guy that was probably looked down upon his entire life. Yes. And yet the Messiah, the savior of the world got his attention by looking up to him, you yeah. know, just and elevating him by saying, I see you. I already know you. Yes, I'm yes. going to your house. All these other people, no, it's you that I want to be with. And and Zacchaeus changed his life as a result of it. Yes. I love that idea because there's so many people who can feel looked down upon by the world. The power of this message of God being mindful of us, that he made yes. us in his image, that he has plans for us. Like, There's an empowerment in that 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 is stronger and more priceless and valuable than any self-empowerment message that this world can offer us. Like, And that's the thing. The world's trying to flood us with messages of, you know, self-empowerment, right? That you have what it takes. You are blah, 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 blah. I'm hoping this is sinking in and encouraging all who are listening today that he sees you just like he saw Zacchaeus. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. That's our show for today. I want to thank my guest, Bob Smiley. Be sure to stay in touch with him. Go to bobsmiley.com to find out where he's going to be on tour and about all the other fun things he's got going on. So loved that conversation with him. Loved what he had to share and loved how honest uh, he was about his own story. So. Man, just really, really good stuff, and he's going to be back. We need to make that a regular occurrence. Also, uh, thanks to my dad, and thanks to all of you. Thanks for listening. Hey, our ministry's here for you. Pop We is the name of our ministry we want to celebrate. Uh, we had many new people join us and become monthly supporters of our ministry as we're reaching a lost and hurting world, letting them know that there's hope for their story. And that is found in the author of all stories. And so uh, thanks to all of our new PopWe partners. If you'd like to find out how to get plugged in, go to popwe.org today. When you're there, you can tell your story. Um, if, you, if you had a story that you want to tell me, you can tell me your story there. You can sign up to receive a weekly email devotional straight to your mailbox. Um, Go to popwee.org and get signed up for that. Alright, listen, go make the most of the one life you get and remember it's your story for his glory. I'll see you next week.
0: I really hope you like it. <laughs> but seriously, I I I do.